So do you always drink your coffee black? I do. Um, I started drinking coffee as a survival thing in college, and it started with basically doctoring up hot chocolate because I always love hot chocolate. A good entry, like a kid level, like I want <laughs> sugar in this still. Yes. And then I was like, oh, everybody's putting cream in this thing. What, what's that? And then I tried it. And of course you go way too strong and you're like, that's, mm-mm. but then you try what I found out later years was very, very bad, burnt, terrible, low, low grade coffee, you know, just the, the black pure stuff. And so I was like, yeah, that's not good either. So I got to where I have a little bit of cream. And then, uh, after a while, I just got to where, uh, well, my wife is more of a connoisseur with coffee than I am. So she got good beans that by themselves can be okay. And so then I have this thing where I like to drink my coffee right when I want to drink my coffee. So I put <laughs> ice in it, <laughs> uh, just a little bit, just to take the edge off so I don't burn my face when I'm drinking it. And what that led to was uh, stronger, more dark roasts that are hard to mm. palate without the cream was kind of you know toned down just a little bit with the, the ice. Interesting. Um, basically, it's like what what you can buy what's called an americano, where you have shots that are put into water instead of just normal drip brew coffee. It's kind of how it works. Yeah. So that's essentially what I approximate with my coffee and how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know most people. You know, all the way sugar, cream, sugar, or cream, and a little coffee out. with their cream and sugar. <laughs> yeah, as it goes. <laughs> Um, so this is Luke, my friend, and today we're going to be talking about, well, the internet, you know, for all you plebs out there who don't know what it is and how it works and uh, colloquial phrases like the cloud and security on it. So welcome to the Chattervast podcast. So this is my friend Luke, as I said, and we have been friends for like a while, I guess. Indeed. We, Hello, like Chad. 2007, I guess. I was before this podcast trying to remember how and when we met. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was, we were both summer staff at a teen sport camp, summer camp. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. Yes. All downhill from there. Yeah. I mean, all downhill. We, we spent some time not knowing each other for a while. And then uh, more recently, we attend the same church for a while. And then now we you know, they're just still friends, but like we're not, we don't go to the same church. We don't work in the same place, but we work in the same business around like the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Luke, why don't you tell my audience like a little bit about like your job uh, relating to the internet and stuff? Sure. My company is what you would call a cloud company. Um, basically, we host all of the stuff that banks and hospitals tell you they keep secure. Uh, they'll send you letters in the mail or emails that are like, you know, here's what we guarantee we're doing with your data. So my company is one of the places that you can store said data. Mm-hmm. And what my company does is what you see in the movies, you know, the the action movies, the spy goes into the big warehouse with all the big stacks of f- machines with blinking lights and he'll go plug something in and steal mm-hmm. some data and, you know, blow up something and jump out a window. Anyway. The building he was in is called a data center, and it's just a big warehouse that's cooled to a low temperature to keep hardware from degrading as quickly, lots of electricity, and what's in there is just big stacks and stacks of servers. And if you don't know what a server is, it's just a very high-powered computer compared to what you have at your house. So it just has more space. It can think faster, all that stuff. So my company maintains warehouses like that. And as I said, that's where we store the data. Um, we, we can get into more of the specifics of where in the industry my company's um, niche, where their, where their niche is. And uh, my job specifically is doing project management, um, a little bit of customer-facing things, a little bit of internal 
um, projects, but it's never dull moments, different every day. <laughs> well, the internet is like always changing. Yes, indeed. If you don't have this one problem here, like then you have a 50 problems over there to fix. And because mm-hmm. like, as far as like my side of it is more, I build websites. And so I would use your services. Like if I had a client, which I don't have any clients like to that scale, <laughs> that need, like I don't have a bank, like I don't work for a bank. Um, I have like small Christian camp, a church, a guy who has a car lot, things like that. Um, so, I mean, I guess they could use your services, but I think they could. Like, and we do have, we, as an example, I know of some like married couples who are financial advisors who have just a little small that, that server that uh, term I used is just a, a place to store your stuff. We have folks like that that use it as well. So mm-hmm. it's just you can make the service be whatever you need it to be. That's the, one of the nice things that people try to sell you on the cloud as it's, <laughs> as it's termed. So speaking of that cloud, like, so I am not like oblivious to the fact that like my audience is like, I don't have an, a niche that I'm like hitting in my podcast. So right. anybody and everybody can listen to my podcast. And with that, everybody is obviously using the internet to like listen to my podcast, watch YouTube, whatever it might be. Uh, so getting to how in the world are they able to use the internet? Like, what is the internet? How does it work? And we have a bunch of phrases. Like, everybody loves to, I mean, if you've been in any business meeting and you've ever been worked in a company, they love to throw out that word and be like, cloud. Like, oh, let's just put it in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is what your business is based around. But I don't know that all of the people listening would be like, oh, I know actually how the internet works. Like, I do. Like, uh, like I build websites, so I understand it. And you do. But like most, so how would you in layman's turn like, like you know like explain it to our wives who are like oh honey that's nice like you you build the internet that's great for you <laughs> so how do you explain to them sure uh i like to ask people the question where is the internet mm. it's a trick question because it's not in one place it's everywhere um, what i mean by that is uh, i like to describe the internet as it's a mixture of devices like our phones and the connections between those devices, mm-hmm. the focus more on the connections between those devices. Um, maybe you could say most of the connections between those devices are what we call the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, we connect to Facebook. Facebook has big warehouses filled with all those servers we were talking about. And uh, we're using the internet. It's just a big set of connections between everything so that we can connect to Facebook on our phone and use it. But Facebook doesn't actually live on our phone. Mm. If it did, we'd be the only one using it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not actually on our phone. We're just using this app that has been programmed to tell the Facebook stuff that is in their location, it's actually locations, but anyway, to connect your specific thing to your specific phone mm. because of your login that's tied to, uh, I want to get into technical things, but <laughs> I imagine folks have probably heard of IP addresses. If not, it's just think like your mailing address. It's just you you are assigned a specific IP address. IP stands for Internet Protocol. Just like PO, like post office box, like yep. you have a place. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you're just assigned an IP. And the Facebook folks, to use my example, they get this request. It's like, you know, IP number, you know, 4652, blah, 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 whatever, is asking for the likes page. And so it's like, okay, cool, let me pull that up. And then it sends it over. And then all you do is you just clicked on your button on your app and boom, it's there. But then um, that's how that works. It's all just numbers going back and forth and giving you the information to look for. I guess like when I was trained in the beginning of like how the internet worked and stuff. um, So like they always explained it as boxes, um, like which 
it wasn't just like literal boxes as an analogy. That's what they called like each server, node, computer, like everything is a box. Mm -hmm. And then you could just move things in and out of those boxes. And it's like the moving to and from things is what uh, is like what makes the internet, like connecting those boxes and then allowing them to work together, which is just like a really a really bad, really simple explanation of how it actually works because there's like packet switching and all kinds of complicated terms that you can like delve into. I don't know that like my audience would be like that interested in knowing like packet switching and like Wait, let's hope not Wi-Fi sh- sharks and like yeah like all that kind of crazy stuff that you can have. Right. Um, but as far as like the cloud, when people throw out that terminology, um, w- how, how would you say to a, like a listener like is that any different or like how would you explain to them? Sure. First thing is it's a very overused marketing term, mm-hmm. and it just is describing a thing that's been done for a long time. Like Xerox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, it's nothing new. Um, it's, we, we were just describing where essentially you are connecting to something that's not here. You're connecting to something in a different place. That's all the cloud is. It's just it's over there somewhere. So as an example, um, let's say you use some sort of online banking, either 100%, maybe this year with 2020, I imagine there's a lot more people yeah. using either online banking for the first time or completely online banking. Um, that is using the cloud. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, it's this overused marketing term. It's just over there somewhere. That's that's all it is. So uh, let's see, what would be another example? Google Docs and stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah, something like that. Every, people still refer to that as like the cloud, put it on the Google Cloud or something. I I, I've that. heard people do that, so I, I would assume so. Um, anytime you use the internet, you're using cloud technology because it's over there somewhere. That's that's all it would be. Um, the tricky thing is we, we were talking earlier about my my company's client base are businesses for the most part. So that is also part of the internet, but it's just private, secure, encrypted information for that one business or that one hospital, that one lawyer's office. So it is the cloud, but it's not publicly available. Mm. Um, It's not something that is the same as what you'd use for, I guess, what we would say like um, consumer grade things like like you know, like SoundCloud or Sermon Audio, where you, like you put it up there and like people can find it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more just a, a private thing. That's uh, I guess people use the term intranet if, to mm-hmm. use the weeds a little bit. That means um, a, a network that's only for your office. It's not mm-hmm. for anybody that doesn't work at your company. That kind of thing. Um, so that that's how that kind of can tie into the cloud. It's just <laughs> a lot of nuances, but essentially it's just. It's over there somewhere. Yeah, and you can have your own cloud. So <laughs> you can. And technically, if you want to, this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but most people have Wi Fi in their houses. Of course. You could call that the cloud because your laptop's here and you're not literally plugging a wire in. Mm-hmm. But even if you were, you're still connecting remotely to something. But yeah, I mean, I, I have that's a good visual or not. But I mean, I think some people would get that because, like, not everybody, like my grandparents probably don't do this, but. My parents do, I think, um, they'll have data on a different device. They'll have like, you know how people plug in, I have a network attached storage, like NAS. So it's basically a hard drive, a small computer plugged into my Wi-Fi router. And so I can access that stuff. So I wonder like if that's like the best local analogy of the cloud is like my computer can attach like through the Wi-Fi to that um, device right at the router and access the files on there. And it's like, well, 
I guess that's like analogy of the cloud too. Yeah, or uh, I personally don't use this, but some folks will have where they have, uh, you know, their kids will have phones, they have a smart TV, they have their laptop, their iPad, whatever, and they all connect together. Yeah. And that would be a little cloud, quote unquote, in your house where the single hub in the middle is their Wi-Fi router Mm. that they're all connecting to. And they might be doing various different things, but anyway. Yeah. That's... Probably more information than people want, but well, and now they have a full understanding of the internet. You're now an expert. <laughs> now go go forth and be a person of the internet, as we are. We are from the internet. I don't. I haven't seen one of those shirts in several years. I think the joke is kind of old. Like I am from the internet, and and I don't think you'd want to like. Anytime, if you're a tech person, anytime something goes wrong, like you're the one they turn to. I don't know if you're like that in your family, but like anytime I get get home. Um, to oh, my parents' yes. house, or my grandparents' house. Like, hey, I have like these things that I am having problems with. Here, you work for an IT company. Fix this. Yeah, yeah. And I literally sit down, Google whatever their problem is, and then fix it. <laughs> yep, Stack Overflow is my friend. <laughs> Google, that's where we go. <laughs> yes, my my point was making that illustration. I'll use my wife as an example. She's a teacher. Um, the school districts have been moving more and more towards Google Classroom. I don't, I don't know how many of the states do that or if it's evenly distributed or whatever but um in general they're all doing that kind of thing um, so you have the older teachers that are not as i guess we'll say tech savvy you know it's, it's a new thing for them they don't learn it as quickly and my wife is of the younger generation who did pick it up quickly but the reason the real reason is because she just tried it and she yeah. googled it and now ironically to, to the point we were making she's now this expert and people ask her like hey how do i do this how to do that and she she'll just go google it and be like i don't know some of the things she does know of course but yeah. if she doesn't then she'll go do that i think like half the battle with google is like understanding so i watch people like try to figure out a problem and they can't figure out like how to use google and so i just go in there and i just say like it, i'm trying to think of an example off my head but i can't really think of one at the moment but if you had a problem with something i don't like say hey this thing is not working i'm like some people i'm on i'm on youtube obviously and People will type in YouTube videos for kids on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of a bit redundant, you know? And the same thing goes with Google. The way that you type in keywords to find your problem and stuff. I just type in like very like, I don't know, they're specific words, but then also some related words. And it tends to find what I'm looking for. But mm-hmm. I think that also is like almost like a, an art that you have to figure out how to to like tell Google what you're looking for. Because half the time, like you might not even find something and be like, I searched all day and couldn't find anything. It's like, well, what, what were you typing in is kind of important too. Yeah. It is definitely a skill set. Um, for any of you who like to goof around and play jokes, um, I don't know if this will be useful, but free information to you if you want it. There's a website called Let Me Google That For You. <laughs> what it does is it will send, a, you, you, I think you can use email or whatever, and you, you send a link and it will show whoever it is a, a little clip of you typing the word in that they're like, hey, what does this mean? And it'll, let's say they don't know what um, whole milk is. And so you send a little video of them typing whole milk into Google, clicking search, and then it shows the results. So it, it's just a little you know, passive aggressive way to tell them like, go, <laughs> do, go do your own work. <laughs> that's, that's always fun. When Let me is. Google that for you. That's that's a great. <laughs> feel feel free to use that. We have all these like little insider things, like when you work in tech, just to you know, be a bit sarcastic or snarky to those who don't. Uh, I remember this one when I was in programming classes. They would always say like, "Oh, if you're having this problem, you can refer to that as a pebcac." 
It's like a problem exists between chair and keyboard. <laughs> it's like it's a very very simple way to explain that. On like if you're on a support call or something, like oh that's just a pebcac error, and they're like oh how do I fix that? And like that reminds me of one. I'm I'm gonna butcher it. It's it's like idt10. It's something like that. It spells yeah. idiot, but it's yes. split into numbers and words. So people are like oh that sounds really intelligent, but it's it's <laughs> it's literally saying you're an idiot. <laughs> it's got what is that like the PhD camera is pushy or dummy <laughs> like all the I mean the tech world has has its fun with people who like don't understand it which is kind of mean in some way because like there are just a lot of people out there who didn't grow up with it around so they don't have the practice like I know that someday and this is like a whole another conversation we can talk about like with future tech and stuff but like we're at the point where like I can pick up any device and be like oh yeah like I can figure it out in like five minutes just don't give me the manual I don't need the manual to understand tech devices Obviously, if I was like operating a centrifuge, I'd probably have some problems. But, um, but someday we're gonna be old enough, and I hear the age is about thirty-five, where you start like not knowing like how to use new things, and you're kind of afraid of them. But we're gonna be at that I point. I think about like, that a lot, actually. Like, yeah. what will be the new thing that we're like, that's old? Connecting to the hive mind will be really hard for us. <laughs> this is a really random thing. I'll just put it out there for anybody who is either you consider yourself to not be very technical or you know, however you describe yourself. Um, I, I, I myself am not one of the smart it, you know, I guess I'll use the word nerd. That's the, the stereotype. You don't have I, Linux installed on your VMware at home. No, I don't have any of that stuff. Uh, anyway, the, the, the free tip here is, uh, in general, if you observe an it person, the way they're treated is something I, that's happening. I don't understand. Fix it. And, and instead of, Hey, here's some work that I've done here's what I tried. I would like to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And anyway, my, my point here is they're used to being treated that way. Mm-hmm. And most people don't treat it folks with disrespect or, uh, whatever you'd want to say. But, uh, if you show them that you are trying, that can go a long way to mm-hmm. disarm them, make them be your friend. They might want to teach you a few things. And then next thing you know, you're now the expert, not, not like you're going to take their job or something like that, but you're now the expert that can navigate things a little easier. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like, besides, like, be kind to everybody and like treat people with respect. No, it's only the IT people. Oh, just the IT. Okay, <laughs> just the IT people here. Uh, nobody else <laughs> deserves respect. I mean, because obviously they're magicians and they made the internet. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it does really go a long way because I, oh, what is it like if you're at a restaurant or other places? There's a lot of places like Disney World. We went to Disney World this year, and if you're there, apparently, like, if you're really nice to staff and not like some other people were kind of like jerks where I was, I was at home Depot the other day and some guy was in line to return something and was like super mad that like this Ryobi tool was out of his 90 day window. And he was like being really kind of unkind to the people. And they're like, look, we can't do anything. We're not allowed to re- you have to talk to them. Yeah. But like, if you're at a place like Disney world or other places and you're nice to people, they can, they have it within their power to like go the extra mile. And same thing with it people, they, they're not just going to fix your problem. They might like make a way that it like, that problem won't recur or like make something else useful for you. And you know, just be nice to people. Like it helps you, it helps them. Like, yep. I try to ask, um, your example of home Depot or whatever, in any place that's a, uh, I guess a shift based place, like a restaurant mm. store. I try to ask people like, Hey, how's your shift going? And cause I, I've had that kind of job before. And yeah. it may be that you're on hour number 16 because your replacement just decided to not show up <laughs> like all right did you work at cracker barrel too <laughs> no i didn't um but yeah uh it, it's amazing how often you'll see the person's eyes light up a little bit and they're like oh he actually sees this human that i am yeah so 
Yeah, I mean, I worked at Chick-fil-A for a little while and everybody's like, oh, Chick-fil-A people are the nicest. I worked in the kitchen. Chick-fil-A people in the kitchen aren't the nicest. But <laughs> like at the front, like there are those inside of working at a place, regardless of what the public persona is, there is like a, you have like inside jokes about certain customers because, you know, like some <laughs> people are just weird or not nice. And it's like, well, sorry, if you're going to treat us that way, we internally like do that dialogue, which it's not very kind either, but <laughs> They usually don't find out. But anyways, all that aside, <laughs> like I love going on rabbit trails because they're really fun. <laughs> I was never d- diagnosed with ADHD, but well, I was homeschooled. So that's probably the main yeah. reason. If I was in school, I probably would have gotten in trouble way too much and gotten put on rid- <laughs> riddle and things like that. So anyway, my point is I can't prove it, but I think I am just because my brain hops all over the place. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not helping us stay on track of whatever the, the I, agenda is. Today. I had a history <laughs> teacher in high school and we purposefully said and like oh what is that really like if we could like tangent mm. off this mm. we could she'd be easy to rabbit trail we do that intentionally it's nice. just kind of fun but uh, i think the next thing i was going to talk about was like security because so like we all use internet mm. we all have phones i mean we could delve into like there's a whole conversation to be had about like censorship and like what like are your phones always listening but i, I don't really want to get into that right now maybe towards the end but like uh more from the individual perspective, how to like be safe on the internet, which I don't know. This is probably more of like from your use and opinion rather than like relation to like your actual job about data and and being careful. But then also my wife is starting to sell clothes online. I'm running YouTube podcasts, like how to be safe as a small business and then scaling that. Like as you become like a forever 21, if you sold clothes when on Facebook and then suddenly you're like a big chain, like you're still handling data, Mm -hmm. but like you still have to have a smart mindset. So like, what do you think, for an individual and then maybe up to like a business uh, are some good practices or things that you need to think about in terms of data and, and being safe on the internet. There's a lot that is a crossover between the two, actually uh, a very practical thing is change your passwords often. Yeah. Um, there are all, the reason that you'll, you, you'll be annoyed by, Hey, your password has been the same for a long <laughs> time. You need to update the, the whole reason those rules exist is because they're trying to balance the, the scary risk factor of really old password that can be guessed by the bad guys and annoying you so much that you don't want to use the service anymore, but mm. reset passwords often. Um, if you're going to write them down, don't literally write them down, have them stored somewhere. There, there are places either, you know, online services that you can pay for, or they're like free one password and last pass where they'll like save all your passwords, but you're still like using one password to get all your passwords. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's you know people have different opinions on that of whether they think that's safe or not. Um, in general, it is more safe than what most folks will do. Um, I would say don't make things that are really obvious passwords. Uh, don't make things you know. It blows my mind how many people will answer. You know, there's those little security questions like, "What's your mom's maiden name?" Like, you don't yeah. have to put your actual mom's actual maiden name there. You can put something stupid in there like. You know, I'm a Clemson fan. You know, whatever it is, you can do whatever you want. Um, I don't know how many people actually do that or not, um, but there, there's all kinds of just common sense things like that you can do. Um, there are what other things for individuals was a question. So the the thing you're talking about, uh, not writing or you know saving them in a, in a place that that's a good thing to do. Um, there's different facets to where we can go with this. One one thing I would say with social media that this is a, a totally 
you know, conversation of its own is, you know, how much you're putting out there about you. And it's mm. sort of a personal preference. And the, the long and the short of it is there's enough out there about you already that it's kind of, kind of too late. <laughs> like you, you're on the internet, no matter who you are, because yes. like they have your addresses. Yeah. They, yeah. But, but you, you know, if you have kids, you don't have to post every little thing about them all the time. Yeah. You, you can make your account be private. Uh, you will survive if you do not have we were using Facebook all as an example. Let's we'll use something new. Uh, Twitter. You don't have you. Don't, you will not die if you do not have a Twitter account. It, you didn't tweet today. How no. dare you? Society demands it. <laughs> right. There are some people that depend on it for a living, and you know your job is a little bit more tied to it. Things like that. So I, I'm not anti social media or anything like that. But um, most of what I deal with is more the business end, and I think that is also where most of the concern is about security. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few things to tell you here. Uh, there are people who they're literally paid full-time job, take their suit in the briefcase, whatever stereotypical worker image you have, and that's what they do is they're paid to be the, the bad guy that's hacking all the, you know, see, you see in the news people doing is all that. Is that like white hat? I think they're called white hat hackers. Ethical or hackers. Ethical hackers, like they're supposed to like test yeah, then there's like safe. blue teams, red teams, white teams. There's different. There are folks like that. Yes, red, white, but, and blue. Yes, how American. Uh, what I'm talking about are the actual bad guys mm. that we read about in the news that are these unknown folks, anonymous that, and lulzek and whatnot. Right. So there are actual like nationally level. Nationally funded or you know organizationally funded things. It's not just a, a teenager who's looking up videos on here's how you crack into you know somebody's firewall and get their passwords. There is that kind of thing too, but there is organized crime and then nation state level um, cyber security um, theft threats. However you want to describe that, like China and North Korea are always in the news as like on that right. level. Yeah, so so that stuff is very real. Um, their targets are not who we see in the news, the big corporations. Yeah. Their targets are the small businesses because they usually don't think that they're the target. They don't have the funds to mm. pay for a really high-end security uh, type of service. A lot of folks can get it now a lot more uh, economically, I suppose. Um, all, all of this where I'm going is that the the main thing to know is Kind of a two two pronged thing. First prong is there's no way to absolutely guarantee that you'll be secure. Um, you know how when you occasionally will turn on your computer, there will be these annoying security update things you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Guess why that has to be there? It's because they have now found some new loopholes that the hacker guys found, and they're updating to block those. Mm. Now the the hacker dudes are now going to go find new loopholes, and it, it's just a repeating cycle. So the point is there's no mystical magical world where everything is completely safe that mm-hmm. does not exist um that's the first prong that there there is no way to completely guarantee even if you're doing things like keeping your passwords you know in a good place you're updating them changing them often that kind of thing um, if you're careful to log off of your computer and not just leave it open especially if you're in a work environment um, all that stuff is good but that will not completely insulate you. So the the other part is how fast can you respond and recover from, mm. we'll just call it an attack. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, despite all the technology out there, the number one flaw in a security uh, infrastructure, whatever word you want to use, I'm again going more business side. Mm. The number one flaw is humans. Still. Like social engineering, I think is what yes. they call it. There's a thing called phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. 
where you get an email that's like, sometimes it'll be a fake email from your boss and it'll be like, hey, can you send me this real quick? I, need, I, I, I gotta get logged into this before my meeting. And usually the way to tell if it's a bad email is it'll ask you to do something. There's an action in there. Mm-hmm. If it's a little, uh, I guess I'll use the, the other phishing word, if it's a little fishy, <laughs> if the phishing email is a little fishy. Puns intended. <laughs> yes, indeed. Then don't do it. The other, yeah, they're they're getting better and better at anticipating and sort of knowing like, okay, this guy logs in at eight in the morning and his routine is this just because there's more available information, you know, from social media or whatever else Mm. to be able to kind of anticipate. Um, There's things you can find online about phishing specifically, but phishing is a very common way to get the human weakness that we all have to work to their favor. And you'll you see in the news, you know, the, the people that, you know, like, oh, this person was paid a whole bunch of money to go plug in a USB drive. And, you know, that opened up this massive corporation to whatever problems. There, there's that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's unintentional, well-meaning, just didn't read the email, didn't think twice, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of rambling all over the place here, but as far as security in general goes... Um, I guess the the recap is there, there is no such thing as complete insulation. Safety is an illusion. Safety is an illusion. As the military says, that's what they say. I, I didn't make that up. Yeah. That's why tons of <laughs> people funny. I know in the Marines and stuff are like, safety is an illusion. Like That is true. All the guys that I either personally know or have been in military that have just rubbed shoulders with or, uh, well, I've heard on podcasts and things like that, they all talk about how um, ignorantly naive the average American is to how how real and geographically close major threats are. And we're just living in this little la-la land. And it's because they're doing such a good job that we get to be in this la-la land. But. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Chattervast podcast. This is a two-part series, so we'll have the second episode coming out this coming Friday. So look forward to that at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And make sure you subscribe to both podcast apps and on YouTube. And we'll alert you when that episode is available as we continue our conversation about internet and security.